Hi, this is Danielle from The Jealous Curator with my raspy, I've got a cold voice, and this is episode 156 of Art for Your Ear. Okay, so first things first, right off the top, there are so many amazing women to introduce today. First, my co-host. She is an artist, illustrator, professor, entrepreneur, and a brand new mother. Yep, Kate Bingham and Bert is joining me today from Portland to talk about, well, how she does all of those things that I just listed, especially now that she is a brand new mom. Also, I am thrilled to have two sponsors of the podcast this week. First, the always fabulous women at Thrive are back again with their support. In case you haven't heard me talk about them before, Thrive is an artist group that I joined about three years ago to help keep me on track. They support female, genderqueer, and gender non-binary visual artists by providing the community and accountability that will help them achieve their goals. Members sign up for the Mastermind program for a year, and they meet monthly online with a small group of other artists to talk about what they're working on, things they need help with, and yes, you can even brag about your victories or cry about your frustrations. I personally have done both of those things. Thrive's motto is make art, meet your people, and do the work. Check out thriveartstudio.com to learn more and follow them on Instagram at thriveartstudio. The other sponsor this week is perfect given the motherhood angle of this episode. The women behind Carve Out Time for Art, Marissa Huber and Heather Kirkland wrote a book titled, wait for it, The Motherhood of Art. See, I told you it was totally on point for today. The Motherhood of Art features 32 interviews with creative mothers, from painters and illustrators to ceramicists and textile artists, whose children range from newborn to 21 years old. I have a 13-year-old, so I was beyond thrilled to add my two cents to this book when Marissa and Heather asked me to write the foreword. The book will be published on April 28, 2020 by Schiffer Publishing and will be available everywhere that books are sold. You can follow them on Instagram at carveouttimeforart, all one word, and to pre-order the book, visit carveouttimeforart.com slash themotherhoodofart. There's little dashes in there, so it's carveouttimeforart.com slash the-motherhood-of-art. Oh, and P.S., there's a bonus offer for pre-ordering. Just saying. Okay, so let's jump into today's edition of Hey, here's something I was thinking about. This was actually not the original plan topic, but it's something that was floating around in my head. Anxiety. Yep, anxiety is in my head all day, every day, actually. (laughs) But thanks to a fancy little pill I started taking every day about three years ago, it's found itself a nice, quiet corner in the back instead of living right up front, constantly shouting at me to be worried about everything that I could imagine slash Google. Side note, if you are mid-panic attack, DNG, do not Google. Well, that's at least what my doctor advises anyway. So, the reason anxiety was top of mind as I was putting this episode together was because earlier this week, I wrote about an artist named Molly V. Dierks. I'm quite sure I'm mispronouncing that. Sorry, Molly. She created a beautiful outdoor installation about letting go of anxiety. It's called I Worried and is inspired by a poem written by the late Mary Oliver. Have a look at the installation on my site, thejealouscurator.com. 
Um, there's a video as part of the post so that you can hear it too. Yes, hear it. There are solar-powered boxes in this installation that play music she composed from nature sounds. I know, it is so amazing. Go check this out whenever you have time. But I wanted to take a moment right now to read Mary Oliver's poem. And to set the nature mood, I'm going to make Greg, my husband slash podcast producer, drop bird sounds in here. Okay, ready? Here we go. I worried a lot. Will the garden grow? Will the rivers flow in the right direction? Will the earth turn as it was taught? And if not, how shall I correct it? Was I right? Was I wrong? Can I do better? I saw that worrying had come to nothing. And I gave it up and went out into the morning and sang. <sighs> and exhale. Now, speaking as someone who has a lot of experience with hardcore worrying, I get that letting go isn't always as easy as simply walking outside to sing in the garden. But Mary was onto something there. I saw that worrying had come to nothing. Nothing, exactly. When I worry now, I try my best to realize that worrying is going to serve me literally no purpose. After thinking about this for years and years, I think I finally understand where my anxiety comes from. Control, or lack thereof. If I can't control something, I worry that it's going to go off the rails. Honestly, I think I just worry so that I have something to do, <laughs> something that I actually feel in control of. I can worry and be in control of that. I also really like being right. So, if I worry obsessively about something and then it actually happens, which it rarely does, but if it does, I will get to say, see, I knew it. I knew this terrible thing was going to happen. Um, why is that something I want to be right about? So senseless on so many levels. And as much as I intellectually know that, it's hard to see the forest for the trees, much less go out and sing amongst them when you're panicking. If you're like me, if you're like me, attempting to win a gold medal and worrying, try to remember Mary's words and Molly's installation. Drop your shoulders, breathe deeply, and let go of any thoughts that do not serve you. And of course, do not Google. Trust me, everything on Google links to some kind of fatal disease. Also, I mentioned earlier that I take medication for my anxiety. Now, that's not everyone's cup of tea, which I totally get. I resisted it for years, but if you were suffering, it might be worth talking to your doctor. I told my doctor I could handle my issues by meditating and running. Um, and after several tests, he said, those things are wonderful and please keep doing both of them. But your brain no longer makes certain chemicals and no amount of running will change that. I still resisted because, wait for it, yep, I was worried. <laughs> then he asked, if I told you you have diabetes and your body no longer produces insulin, would you take insulin every day? I said, yes. Checkmate. <laughs> if I'd have no problem taking medication for my heart, liver, or any other underperforming organ, why would my brain be any different? Anyway, this is not an infomercial for drugs. That is an incredibly personal decision. I just wanted to share my perspective and shed a little bit of light on my personal experience, experience with mental illness. 
If we don't talk about it, the stigma stay, right? Right. Okay, I am done. Moving on. So my original plan for today's intro had also been control freak related. Yeah, I know. I'm not kidding myself. I know it's a problem. <laughs> anyway, I had planned to talk about perfectionism. Ugh, talk about anxiety inducing right there. So cutting to the chase, there is no such thing as perfect. So trying to attain it, well, it just ain't going to happen. You will drive yourself and everyone around you crazy if you're in constant pursuit of quote-unquote perfection. This applies to everything in life, including your artwork. Can you imagine a perfect artwork? I can't. There is fabulous art, interesting art, art that takes your breath away. But I would bet you 10 bucks that all of that fabulous, interesting, breathtaking art was created thanks to imperfection and happy accidents. Kate and I ended up talking about this quite a bit in today's episode. She has lots of rules she gives herself to avoid getting precious. And as it turns out, both of us were tiny perfectionists when we were kids. Poor little Danielle and Kate beating themselves up for not coloring inside the lines. Anyway, I'm going to stop right here and jump into my talk with this amazing artist, teacher, entrepreneur, and brand new mother. Just over a year ago, her sweet little boy, Hank, was born. And guess what? She still makes art. In fact, I've titled Kate's segment, Kate Bingham and Bert Had a Baby, and yes, she's still an artist. Let's call Kate in Portland and get started on today's perfectly imperfect episode. Oh, and be sure to stick around after our conversation because I have invited a very special guest to join us for just a few minutes to give us his thoughts on a few pieces from art history. Okay, let's talk to Kate in Portland. Kate. Hi. You're back, baby. I am. (laughs) I'm so happy to have you here. And a lot has happened since we last talked in person. It's true. A lot has happened since we last talked in person, which was a couple years ago. Um, Because I I think I was just, I, I was just about ready to go on sabbatical from teaching at Portland State. And, um, and when I did that, I accidentally created another job for myself, which I think is the opposite of what you're supposed to do on sabbatical. But, um, but Hey, I did it. I did it. Um, but what I, what I did while I was on sabbatical was that I started, I started a new studio space that is now turned into a, a community print space workshop center called outlet here in Portland. And, um, it's been fantastic. We we do workshops out of there, mostly on risograph printing, which is like screen printing, but it looks like you're on a photocopier. It's yeah, it's gorgeous. So much fun. It's so much fun. How um, did you accidentally start that? Did you just, were you printing for yourself and then all of a sudden people showed up? Well, it was one of those things where I, I was sharing a studio with my dear friend, Jason Sturgill, who I've known forever. And we had a risograph in our old studio that was super rundown, um, but really fun slash frustrating to print with. And when I moved into this new space, Jason was like, I think you need to take Barbara because that's what we called her was (laughs) Barbara. And I'm like, Oh, well, I wonder, I wonder if anyone would be interested in doing a workshop on Barbara. And, um, (laughs) They were. And so Barbara now has a whole fleet of sisters that are much younger and um, 
<laughs> poor Barbara. No, poor Barbara. But Barbara's never. Barbara's not going anywhere. But uh, she has a whole fleet of sisters that do workshops now, and we do print workshops um, several times a month out of that space. And then we have open hours six days a week where people come in who have taken the workshops and they use the space to print. And then we also um, sell the work that people make in the space too. And so that's been really fun. And I just. I just hired my first full-time employee, which is wild because I've had people like helping me out for the last several years, you know, just different students or whatever. And then I had this really fantastic student worker um, for the last year and a half or so. And usually, usually what happens at the end of um, when, when students get ready to graduate I'm always like, okay, what do you want to do? Um, how can I help you? Um, you know, let's let's launch you into a, a career that you really want to to be in because there's no way in hell that I know you want to stay here with me. You just, <laughs> you just and well, um, my fantastic now full time studio manager Leland was like, I really like this. This is what I want to do. And if there's any way to kind of transform this 15 hour a week job into a, a full-time position. Let's figure it out. And I was just like, you, you want, you want me. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it really, it really, uh, was, uh, it happened at the right time too, for sure. Especially since the last time I talked, I've had a baby. So yeah, I, that was the other project you, that's you another project. Yeah. So Hank is, Hank is, uh, uh, about a year old. He turned one in August. And so it's been really great to have, um, Leland, like when I was on maternity leave, like the whole deal. And now, and now, um, and now Leland's there full time, which is fantastic. And so they help with the day-to-day operations of outlet and um, I then can also focus on Hank and I can focus on running the graphic design program at Portland State. And then Outlet is just humming along, growing, um, so far not losing money, which is cool because, again, it was an accidental business that started in 2017. And it's, it's so far, knock on wood, doing okay. So it's, it's been fun. It's been, it's been really great. And it's also... Um, been a nice addition to my teaching life because instead of teaching students only that go to school at PSU full time, I get a real just such a wide variety of people that come through outlet stores. And it is my workshop time is just so much fun. It I mean I love teaching. I love teaching my students, but this is like a different kind of fun. It's just it's just so delightful to me such a range of people doing all these different creative things and they all come together for three hours on a Saturday morning to learn about risograph printing and we all make a print together and we do a big print trade and everyone's exchanging like emails and contacts. I don't know. It's just, it's fun. It's uh, really I want to do it. Fun. It's really fun. And my goal for those workshops is just to get people relaxed and moving their arms to make marks and to not feel self-conscious to make work in front of people that they don't know and to just dive into a medium that they've never explored before and to just have 
three hours where they are making some stuff and trading work with people that they've just met and hopefully getting them excited to come back into the space and to make more work and to further kind of the things that they learned in that workshop too. It's just so awesome. Okay. I have two questions. One, how many people are in a workshop? About 13. 13. And do people, do you find that people are showing up with a plan or are they like, I don't know what this is? You know, it's really great because it's, 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 a, it's a wide variety. I always have one or two people that will reach out to me beforehand being like, I already know what I'm going to do. Is it okay? Like, I'm cool. That's great. But then I also have a lot of people where I, I send out this little email beforehand where I'm like, you don't need to plan. You don't need to prep. You don't need to bring anything, you know, special. Um, just show up. And the only thing you need to bring is a good attitude and just be <laughs> game to make stuff. And and it is, it's, it's been, it's been really, really, really delightful in, you know, we'll have people that will be, uh, in the workshop who are professional illustrators to people who are in the workshop that are there because their, their friend told them to come. And <laughs> it's just, it's such a range. And this process of printmaking has, uh, a, it's really forgiving. And so you can, you can, you can really, um, make an addition and, and not really have, um, like you don't have to really feel like you know what you're doing. (laughs) (laughs) And it's satisfying. It's satisfying in that way too. So I always tell them, you know, like this is not, this is, this is no one in here knows what they're doing. (laughs) So please do not get stressed out. We're all in this workshop to learn. And this is also not going to be the only risograph print that you ever make. This is the first one that you're doing. So do not put too much pressure on this first print. And we're just building upon, you know, the skills that we're learning in these three hours. And so this is just all skill building. This is just all fun. We're just here to, to, to make marks and to meet people and to, and to have fun learning something new together. And a lot of it, I feel like I'm really happy that I had um, so many years of teaching before kind of doing these workshops because I feel like I've gotten pretty good at um, managing people's expectations because that's really, I feel like, half the battle when it comes to teaching is really outlining everything that's yeah. happening and also just kind of outlining um, like these are the things that we're going to be doing and these are the things that you probably will be feeling and this is what's going to be happening and you are okay. And so I feel like as long as I've got a pretty good, you know, outline and manage expectations, people are pretty stoked, which mm-hmm. is, and I just, things move in and I'm talking all the time and it's, it's really fun. Do you, do you work out of that studio too? I do. I do work out of that studio. And before I had Hank, um, I was there like all the time and the way that I built out the studio, I I compare it to um, how people talk about mullets, how there's, there's party in the back business in the front. I have, I have a mezzanine that I built in this space where it's like my business is up top and the party's downstairs basically. So downstairs is where the workshops happen, where our zine library is, where our small shop is, where all of our art supplies are. And then upstairs in the mezzanine is my is my office and my drawing table. And that's also where Leland, my studio manager, sits too. So that's kind of more of like the private space. And then the public party is happening downstairs. And it's great. I, I absolutely love this this little space that we are in. And um and I do I, I, I on paper, that's where 
my uh, studio is. But these days, my my studio has been my kitchen table, the couch, the bed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, sometimes, no. sometimes on the bus going to school, it's kind of like wherever I'm able to squeeze in um, a, a, a moment of free time to get something done. Well, what do you find, like, what are you doing for your own art practice right now? Is, are you doing a lot of illustration or are you doing stuff for yourself or a combo or what do you, what do you do? It's been a combo. And I actually, since I last talked to you, I brought back my daily drawing project. I know. So awesome. And, and it's one of those things too, where it was like, so I had done that daily drawing project, um, from 2006 until 2014. So it was eight years. It was exactly eight years of drawing something that I purchased every single day. And then in 2014, I stopped on the eight-year anniversary because I was kind of like, I want to do other things. I was just really kind of feeling like I, I it was, it was kind of, it was becoming too big in my life. Like mm. as in just mentally, it was just taking up a lot of space. And I was worried that that was like the only thing I was ever going to do. Um, and so I took three years off, which was actually really great because I was able to explore, like, I feel like I kind of developed a, another style that was a little bit looser and I was able to kind of explore more with like watercolor and I was able to just explore other, other themes and topics that I wanted to do. But then, um, I really, I, I have a different relationship with this project because I decided I turned 40 on August 12th of 2017. And I decided that I was going to start that daily drawing project back up again on my 40th birthday, mm-hmm. because I really missed the day to day documentation of, um, it was more, it turned more into just, uh, um, more of like visual journaling for me. And I, I decided that I, I missed having 30 minutes out of the day that was just mine that I could just sit there and kind of reflect upon the day and, and draw that object that, that basically kind of represented what was going on in my day. And so my relationship to this project is much different and I'm really, really happy that I have it now because sometimes that's literally the only thing that I can do, um, creative in a day is doing that, (laughs) you know, that daily drawing. Um, well, and you know, what's so funny too, is that, cause I've been following you that whole time. Right. And, uh, the things that you used to buy, I love now that there's like a onesie. Yes. Yeah. You know, it is, it's a visual journal and it's like to be able to, you know, as part of your legacy, you know, for people to look back on it and you can follow your life and you can see all of the different changes and especially becoming a mom, you know, that, you now know that super changes a lot of things. It and really, I love that it's being documented. Yeah, there's so much. There's And I just, I, I, I don't keep like a baby book for Hank. And I don't really do like, I don't, I don't like photograph him like on his like monthly birthday. But then I was feeling kind of bad about all that stuff. But then I was like, wait, I've got a lot of daily drawings that are Hank. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, I'm fine. I'm yeah, fine. You've got his first jean jacket. I do. I have his first jean jacket. And honestly, (laughs) honestly, Danielle, so I, he was born on August 11th, 2018. Wait, is that the day before your birthday? It was the last thing that I did in my 40th year of existence. He he was born at 1030 at night on August 11th, 2018. And then at midnight, I turned 41. So it was my God. 
I always kind of say like the first 40 years I didn't have him, And now the next 40 years I've got Hank. So it's, it's just, it's, it's funny. It's, I'm really, I'm really, um, I'm really happy that I feel like um, there's some days I get really down where I'm just like, Oh, I had him when I was like 40. I'm going to be like this like old mom. But then I'm like, actually, I'm really happy that I had him later in life because I feel more kind of, I'm happy with where I'm at making work wise. I'm happy with like, kind of like what I'm doing at school. Like I, I feel like I've got that kind of feeling okay. And so it, it, I don't know. It's, 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 it's nice. I, I feel good. I feel good. I feel yeah. good about having a, a one-year-old right now. Um, but when he had to stay, we were in the hospital for a couple of days and he had to then stay a night in the NICU. And then we went home and I was like, I was like, well, I, I just felt so kind of just like, what the hell had just happened? what is going on? Like, it was just such a surreal experience. Like everything felt different. But the first thing that I did when I got home, because we didn't have Hank, we had to like, and so I was like, okay, in order for me, I just need some sense of normalcy. And I was like, I was too wired to go to sleep. I was just like, so just like, whoa, crazy. And I'm like, I'm going to do daily drawings because I had been gone for like four to five days. And so like doing the four to five different daily drawings that I had missed, like really helped kind of like have me kind of like just calm down and it helped. It was something so familiar that it was really relaxing to me. Mm-hmm. And it was nice kind of recentering, um, just task for me to do. And, um, and what did you, what did I, you draw? Hospital well, juice? Threw, it was, it was, um, it was, it was, let me think if I can remember, it was coffees for when we first, cause I was induced because I was like two weeks late too. So I was induced. So we knew we were coming in. So I like was induced and it was like coffee for Clifton. And then I had another one where it was like, um, different like medication from, um, the pharmacy and then it was, I drew the, um, the hospital wristband Oh yeah. that was for both me and Hank. So that kind of represented like the, the hospital bill or whatever, Right, right. you know, it was just, it was just stuff like that, but it was, um, I don't know. It was just kind of, it was, it was, it, it that also too really crystallized how this project, um, the, the, the meaning of the project for me was different this time around just because yeah, it was yeah. like one of those things where I'm like, Oh, I actually really need this. This is really good. And, and now because of just kind of the, just figuring out how to make work again and, and figuring out how to like what this, what the schedule looks like having, having that project is really nice because I, I know it. It's yeah. familiar to me. It's comfortable. It's, you know, and I do plenty of other things. Like it's okay to have, it's okay to have artwork that feels comfortable. That's not like pushing you and challenging. Yeah. Well, you know, and one of the best bits of advice that my mom gave me when I was pregnant, because my mom's an artist and she said, um, when I was pregnant, she said, you know, after he's born, she's like, it's really important for you to have something that is still Danielle, because she said, you are going to become Charlie's mom. Yeah. And you can lose yourself because people know you as Charlie's mom at the playground and whatever. And your life, especially when they're little, you're taking care of them. Like it's so 
24 7 yeah, and she said really if you don't it. concentrate and actually have an outlet that is a danielle thing you'll just kind of get lost in being charlie's mom and i i you know when you're pregnant you're like yeah yeah i'm good and then when he was born i was like oh dear god yes and that's partly why i started the jealous curator was that i needed that thing that was just me and yeah. I, it's just cool that that your drawings like yeah i know what you mean you come home and you're so wired and especially when you come home after having a baby without oh your baby yes that was so weird yeah and you were pregnant up for so long too like so that you you weren't alone for almost a year like he was in there yeah. and then you come home and he's not in there anymore and he's not in your arms and of course you'd be wired and it's so nice that this companion that you'd had for all these years was there for you yeah, it really was. I was like, oh, I've got my pens and I've got yeah. my paper and this, this is, this just, I like cleaned my desk and I drew and I, it was, it just, it just helped. It just helped so much. That helped so much. It was mm -hmm. so. And still to have it now where, yeah, like some days I'm sure, because I mean, between outlet teaching, yeah. Hank, you know, I, I assume like the occasional meal or sleeping, yeah. you know, stuff like that. Um, nice to have this thing that you can have your moment and. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. It's really good. It's really good. And, um, and I have, speaking of moms, I've been so thankful. My mom and dad live here mm -hmm. and, um, and I've, I've always been pretty close with my mom, thankfully. And ever since I had Hank, it's just been like, Oh my God, you are the most amazing person in the universe. Actually, after I'm done, talking with you. I'm going over to my mom's house because I'm, I'm filling, um, I'm working on a big ceramic, uh, order. My mom has a kiln and I'm just oh, bringing oh. Hank over there and I'm going to finish drawing on a bunch of uh, plates and my mom's going to hang out with Hank and that's perfect. And actually the reason I started doing ceramics was because I was just going to say, I didn't know you did ceramics. Yeah. The reason I started doing ceramics was because when I first had Hank, when I was on maternity leave, I really, really, really leaned on my mom because I was just like, what is going on? What is happening? <laughs> and, um, and so I would go over to my mom's house and I, and she had this kiln and I'm like, well, I'm going to, I, of course, you know, I can't just sit there. I have to do something. <laughs> and so I'm like, well, I want to start, let me figure out how to make, I want to make little bowls to like draw on. And so I kind of started this funny little ceramic side project because I was over at my mom's house and I learned how to do ceramics. And I also kind of like learned how to be a mom from being around my mom, watching her with Hank. And so now it's just, it's, it's just funny how that stuff happens. It's just totally funny how that stuff. Well, happens. and it's, you, that's why I wanted you to ha have you as one of my co-hosts because I love your, um, I don't want to call you crazy, but <laughs> I love your voracious appetite for creativity. Like you're always pre-Hank and now post-Hank. You just are always like, ooh, now what can I do? Now what can I do? And I think it's so inspiring. And um, I want people to know that you can have a baby and yeah. you can still, you know, you don't need to be creating things that are going to be, you know, going off to the Louvre tomorrow. Yeah. You can, but you can keep having this creative outlet so that you can maintain a bit of who you are. Right. And I love that you're like, Oh, there's a kiln. I'll yeah. do that. <laughs> I also, I feel like, and I have to credit to my mom. I've, um, I've, I've fortunately always have had, um, a role model and my mom who was just always picked up like, cause she's a weaver and she's a teacher and she's always been someone who was just kind of like, 
um, you know, dabbled in lots of things and always has lots of projects going on and never really a strong sense of perfectionism, which I'm so fortunate to have not had that passed down to me because I, I get a lot of pleasure in just making things with my hands and kind of like seeing piles pile up versus then, you know, having like, uh, like these perfect objects. Um, and so it's, it's been, it's been, I feel like I've been really, I've been fortunate to have, um, kind of knocked that perfectionism out of me and, and I, I do give credit to when I started that daily drawing project because I, I did. I was like, I don't like drawing. I don't feel like I'm good at this. And if I hadn't made that rule for myself where I couldn't start over, I had to kind of keep going with it. Like that rule was really Oh, I didn't know you had that rule. Yeah. If I didn't have that rule, I have like a whole list of rules. It's ridiculous. I love following rules, but, um, but rules do. that I make for myself, of course, you know, like I don't like following other people's rules, just my <laughs> own rules. Um, but one of the rules, because I knew myself, I knew myself when I started this project that I would want to throw the drawings away or I would want to start over again. And because I made the rule for myself that I had to just kind of like keep going with whatever wonky line might have happened. Um, that really kind of made me lean into the imperfections of everything rather than recoil from the imperfections of it. And that's also another reason why I didn't start this project with pencil. I made myself do it in pen too, because I knew I'd be erasing. Mm. And so that whole kind of, um, project ethos gets transferred to a lot of other ways of making too, where it's like, yeah, it's just going to be a little wonky and I'm going to like it and we're going to see what happens. Well, I think that the podcast episode title that from when you were on before was, um, make piles of crap. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And that's what I love about you too, because it's just like, you can't, you're not going to sit down and make the perfect bowl the first time you sit down with clay like you're gonna make a lot of crap and there's beauty in the crap like I actually think that imperfect things are so much more interesting to look at than perfect things so much more so much more and I also feel like I translate that ethos to my workshops too and so it's like it's it's really it's and I've seen how perfectionism can be so crippling to brilliant, brilliant, brilliant people. And, um, and it's just, I just want to, I just want to shake that out of everyone. Mm -hmm. I wonder what Hank will end up being like, like Charlie, um, like both Greg and I grew up in families where, um, our dads were really like, you know, Oh, an A is great. Why isn't it an A plus? And, um, and so when I was pregnant, Greg was like, okay, we cannot pass this on to our kid because it's, you know, we've had to work really hard to shake it from our own personalities. Well, Charlie was born, God love him, just baked right into the DNA. <laughs> and we, we never pushed it. Like we never were like, this needs to be redone. Nothing, nothing. Like we we're like, yeah, color outside of the lines, you know? Yeah. Nope. He would lose his mind if he colored outside the line. One time when he was two, I'd given him um, an undersea creature um, coloring bark because he loved undersea stuff and he colored he was two so of course it's going to be outside the lines and he colored in the um lobster and went outside the lines and we were at a restaurant we were trying to entertain him before the food came and he lost his shit and he was 
crying, yeah. rip it out, rip it out. He's, I wrecked the book. He was beside himself. When oh. he was in preschool, when he was four, the teacher called me in and said that I needed to stop being so hard on him at home because he was like such a hardcore perfectionist. And I was like, it's not me. It's not me. It's, it's so, that's so interesting because that's, I was like that when I was in um, elementary school. And I remember my mom telling me that she would have teachers be like, are you like, really, do you have high expectations? Are you really hard on her at home? And my mom's like, uh, no, we are not. That is all her. And yeah, it's just, it's so, I'm so curious what Hank's going to be like. Yeah. I, I feel like between the two of us, me and Clifton, like I mean, it was definitely something that I had to like learn and kind of like beat out of myself, but I'm totally a control freak. Don't get me wrong. Right, right. Yes. But, and then Clifton is very like perfectionism for sure. Um, so yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. Yeah. What, who who what, kind of shows up. Yes, yes. But already I can tell, like, I'm like, he's very focused. He's very stubborn. And I'm like, yeah, that's kind of from both of us. That's from both of us. That'll be, that'll be fun when he's about three. Oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> Nuts. Charlie still reminds me he's 13 now how how much I hurt his feelings when he was three because I told him he was stubborn. <laughs> and I said, he just told me that the other day driving to school. And he's like, that hurt my feelings. He said, you hurt poor little baby Charlie's feelings. And I said, but you were stubborn. I said, it wasn't an insult. It was just a fact. And he's just And like, now you have a really hard time holding grudges for a very long time, Charlie. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. He does. Clearly. Um, yeah, it's just so funny. Like, um, you know, you just, you don't know who you're going to get when they're born. And I, I always joke that I want to write a parenting book that's yeah. just one page that says, just roll with it. Just roll with it. Because you can't, you can read all you want, but whoever showed up is who showed up. Yeah, no, it's true. And I feel like, I feel like, um, that I, I feel like I've been a little bit more relaxed on the parenting front just because I've been busy in other areas. But I also feel like that's been pretty helpful too, because I am really trying to roll with it. I'm not like getting lost in reading things on the internet and I'm not like, (laughs) you know, eating all these parenting books and things like that. But but I also think that comes with age. Too. I was just going to say, that's the other nice thing about being a slightly older mom is that you've kind of, you know, you've applied that to lots of other things in your yes. life. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. Um, okay. So you are insanely busy. So you, when did you go back to teaching? I, I went back to teaching. So he was born in um, August. I took the fall off and then I was back with, I was back in January And so we just started, we just started our fall term this week at PSU. So I've been back for a couple of terms. And, and how are you feeling like the balance is going? Are you feeling, is he with your mom when you're at school? She is with Clifton. So Clifton stays at home, which is great. And then, uh, and then mom has him for a couple of days a week. And then, and then Clifton and I, so I teach full on full, huge days on Tuesday, Thursdays. And then I have advising on Wednesdays. And then Monday, Monday, Fridays are a little bit more flexible, whether it's like meetings at school or whether I'm doing freelance work or whether I'm doing outlet stuff or whether I'm talking to you on the, on the computer. (laughs) Um, And so right now, like this is a typical day, like this morning I had a meeting 
And then I came back and like Clifton watched, um, Hank. And then now I'm talking with you and I'm about ready to load Hank up in the car so I can go work on some ceramic stuff in my mom's house right? right. And so for the rest of the afternoon. So That's it's nice. So far it's been pretty nice. It's been a nice, um, combo of me and Clifton and my mom watching, watching Hank, which That's is great. So, so good. And it's so nice for him too, to have all the crew around him all the time and different people, but everyone it's who loves great. him. And my mom is like the most um, active 70-year-old. It's insane. Like she will be crawling up and down the stairs with Hank like nonstop. I'm just like, oh my God, you're amazing. <laughs> well, I saw that video that you posted of him walking that your yeah. mom took. That was at my mom's house. Yeah. Oh my God. He was just on the go. So funny. And he has gotten so fast and he's just, he's so funny. He's obsessed right now. We got him... Um, he is a, he's really into Kermit the Frog and Donald Duck right now, even though he's never seen them like cartoons or anything. He just knows like the toys right. and he's talking like Donald Duck. And then he's always sleeping with Kermit, which is really oh, cute. Oh my word. He fell asleep holding Kermit's hand the other night. That was really cute. Please tell me you took a picture. <laughs> no, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> Well, he'll yeah. probably do it again. And then you quickly take it because then he'll never do it. Like there was a few things like, you know how they'll go in like phases and you think this is going to last forever. And then all of a sudden that thing stops and a new oh. phase starts. Oh. So we had a few things like that where I was like, after I realized that when he was around one and I realized that, you know, things he had done a week before he was no longer doing, I was like, document everything. He yeah. did this one thing where he would do this little play every night where he was about two and he was a farmer and it was like, there was this whole script and I was the farmer's wife and my husband was the bad. Well, he had two roles. He was the bad dog and the sheep. Oh my God. Very tricky, very different characters to play. And, um, and he would make us do this whole routine. It took about three minutes and he wouldn't go to bed until we had done it. And if you messed up your lines, he'd make, he'd start all over again. Oh and I just was so exhausted that I wanted to go to sleep. So I would say to Greg, do not mess up your lines. Get this right, bad dog <laughs> slash sheep, because I need to go to bed. And so this was going on for like every night for about three weeks. And it felt like our life would forever yeah. be this play. It's going to be like forever. Yeah. And I said, you know what? This is going to end. So we took a video of it and he stopped doing it maybe two or three nights later. And I'm so glad because it's hilarious and we watch it all the time and Charlie now thinks it's hilarious too. So document. I need, I need to document more. Yeah. Well, um, I forgot to say off the top, this whole segment um, that, I, you know, I, we've kind of been all like interweaving all the story because that's life. Um, but I wanted to call this segment with you. Kate had a baby and yes, she's still an artist um, <laughs> because I knew that that would be the case. And so, um, do you have, like, can you, I mean, we've kind of talked about it in yeah. a roundabout way anyway, but is there any tips that um, you would want to share with people who are either maybe pregnant right now and freaking out a little bit that they might never make art again, or people that are home with newborns that are also freaking out that they may never, never yeah. might make art again? And just, yeah, any thoughts you might be able to pass on? I do think what we were talking about earlier about having, I think... <sighs> Just reserving a small, tiny bit of time for yourself to have a project that is yours is so important, so important. And also just to have that time to feel like, oh yeah, this is, this is, this is, this is who I was before I had a baby. 
this is me acting as an artist. Yeah. <laughs> and I think, and I loved what you said too. Like, even if it's 15 minutes, I think people are like, oh, I need, you know, I don't, I don't have the day in the studio. It's like, well, you don't need an eight hour runway. Give yourself 15 okay. minutes. And it's also, I've noticed too, and I've, this has been confirmed by so many other, um, other moms as well as like the efficiency that happens with your time. <laughs> I think about, I think about before I had Hank and I was like, what the hell did I do with all of that time? This is crazy. And I've had a few days where I feel like I've gotten just as much done in two hours as I would have in a full like eight hour studio day. Too. Yeah. Because you've got two hours and you're going to maximize it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So like, I feel like I'm screwing around less. Um, and that's kind of cool. That's like a, that's like a, a weird superpower that comes to the surface where you're just like, okay, I've got, I've got these two hours. Let's see what I can do. And then you just, you just are focused and you, you do it. Um, but I do, I do think don't put so much pressure on yourself to think that you, you know, need to work on this huge body of work. Again, these little things, they add up to a lot. And so just, I think, reserving a little bit of time to, even if it's just making marks on a piece of paper, like just, just it's, that's just so important. It's so important and make time for that because mm -hmm. it's so important. I started, I had a little notebook where, um, I would just write down ideas even so that when, you know, yeah. I did come out of the fog and I did have time, suddenly it was like, cause you know, you don't remember anything from that first year. Oh my God. You think you will, but you will not. And so I would write stuff down. And then, you know, when he was two, I cracked that open and I was like, Oh yeah. And suddenly I, it was like cracking into this genius like, that was me that I forgot yeah. how brilliant I actually was. And so even just keeping so that. No, that's, that's actually really good. Cause I remember those first couple months where I, again, you, you, I was, wasn't the only thing I was able to even do those first couple months was to do my daily drawing project. Um, but I would be making, making lists for things that I wanted to do in the future. And I feel like a lot of that time, whether you're driving your baby around or you're out walking with your baby, like being able to kind of like use your mind to be thinking about these other things that you want to be doing is actually pretty great. Um, and so I've, I've definitely utilized the out walking around time, the being at a park and like swinging with him, like kind of like thinking about projects and plans and you're still present with your kid. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> Just keep pushing. Just keep pushing. You're good. <laughs> good. Yeah, no, I think that's, that's such good advice. And, you know, I also say to people like they, they grow so fast and when you're in it, it feels like I, I read this in a baby book one time that said, um, they're the longest days and the shortest years. Yeah. Cause can you believe Hank's one? No, I can't. Right. I can't. But, but then there'd be days when they're newborns where you've done 5,000 things already and, and changed them and whatever. And you're like, it's 10 a.m. I know. And I'm like, how is this the longest day? I've been up since <laughs> like 30. This is ridiculous. Now, I had a day like that the other day, actually, because like I had gotten up at I got I, what I've been doing now. Actually, my whole sleep schedule has completely changed. Like Hank usually sleeps until you know, between six and seven. And I've been going to bed a lot earlier than I normally have, but then I've been getting up earlier and I've been really enjoying 
the out like 4:30 to 5:30 where I'm like this is I'm going to sit here and draw. I'm going to sit here and drink coffee. Like it's just it, it's my whole schedule has kind of shifted and I've really 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 grown to appreciate the super quiet hours early, early in the morning before anyone is awake. Yeah, it is. It's a precious, precious little time where it, you can just be you for an hour. Yeah. yeah. And that's actually, I've discovered that's what I've been doing. Sometimes I'll do the daily drawing from the night before or the day before will be in those hours or I'll like do like a bunch of like either emails during those hours or, you know, things like that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, I can tell, I, I heard you typing. Are you saying I'm late? I'm coming. Yeah. yeah. I'm sorry. Okay. So I want to just finish with the um, a tiny little segment called "Hey, what's new with Hank and Charlie?" Because they are twelve years apart, which is insane. And um, so, just tell me one new thing that Hank. Well, we already know he's into Kermit. Is yeah. there something that he is super into right now? Well, he is. He's. So this is this is kind of funny. So he's been really into talking like Donald Duck, but he's never actually ever seen Donald Duck. And the only reason that he's been talking like Donald Duck is because this really amazing, wonderful, um, risograph technician named Ed who fixes our machines. He's in his early sixties and he really, really loves Hank. And so every time we have to fix the machine, I have to bring Hank with me and then he'll sit there for the entire hour and talk like Donald Duck. And then Hank's now talking like Donald Duck because of Ed. And so that's been pretty cute. It and could be that Hank is actually like really into Ed and doesn't even know who really Donald Duck is. Ed. I don't yeah. think he's really into Donald Duck. I think he's really into Ed, the risograph technician. So that's, that's kind of the cute thing that he's been doing. Oh, that is very sweet. Well, Charlie is 13. He is now officially taller than me. Oh, my gosh. He's 5'9". Oh my God. Yes. Nuts. I can't even imagine. It is. It's insane. Um, so that's sort of the biggest thing that's happened lately because my tiny baby, I, I, um, anymore. He's really into, um, well, he's in eighth grade now. So he's very into, like he puts product in his hair every morning. And so I was helping him. I help him because it's like his hair's all bedheady and crazy. So I spray it down and we get the product out and I was doing it this morning and I couldn't see the top of his head. (sighs) (laughs) <laughs> like I had to reach and I was like, Oh, I'll have to tell Kate about that because how, like how he was my I tiny can't... baby for so long. And now I can't see the top of his head. Can't even imagine. Oh my God. But I guess I'm going to have to, because this kid's going to be huge. Yeah, Hank is going to be so tall. He will. So kiss him on the top of the head. Well, you can do it easily right now. Yes. Yeah. I'm going to go, I'm going to go kiss him on the top of the head right now. Yeah. I still kiss Charlie on the top of the head, but he has to be sitting down for me to yeah, do that. Exactly. Um, okay. Well, I'm going to let you go so you can go into your clay and Hank yeah. and your mom and all the good stuff. Thank you so much. And uh, we'll loop back around with you in a couple of episodes. That sounds perfect. Thank you so much. Okay. I'll talk to you soon, Kate. <laughs> Bye. Oh, she is the best. I have always found Kate's approach to creativity so inspiring. It's those rules of hers. They keep her, as she says, moving and making, even only days after giving birth, as a matter of fact. Now, that is very impressive. So for today's creative exercise, I'm going to give you the exercise that Kate gave me uh, when I featured her in my first book, Creative Block. She suggests looking for inspiration um, right in front of you. So what I'm going to ask you to do is open up your medicine cabinet in your bathroom or pull out the junk drawer in your kitchen and document 
everything in those, one of those places. You can draw everything like Kate does. Um, and if that's not your jam, you could paint it, you could collage it, whatever. But the idea is just looking for inspiration in a place that you wouldn't normally find it and giving yourself a project that sort of forces you to be creative. Um, and finally, to wrap up this motherhood-themed episode, I have invited a very special guest to come and help me out. Yes, for the very first time ever, in 156 episodes of this podcast, my son Charlie is here. Ready? Let's see what Charlie thinks of a few things from art history. Hi, Charlie. Hi. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Do you like being in the pillow fort? Yeah. Yeah, it's cozy. Um, okay, so we this is our very first um, Charlie Talks Art History segment. I'm interested in the teenager's point of view in art history. So I'm going to show you. You're going to come on the podcast a bunch of times. Yep. And I'm going to show you some images from art history, and you're going to let me know what you think. Okay, so I've got a classic here for you. Let's see what a 13-year-old thinks of this one. This is um, Edward Manet's Luncheon on the Grass, Déjeuner sur l'herbe, from 1863. Thoughts? First, describe for the, for the listeners, since they, if they, in case they don't know what it looks like, what's, what's going on in this image? It's some dudes in the woods with like some, a picnic going on. Yeah. And then there's just a dude. What is? Oh, that's a lady in the back. Yeah. And who's in the front? Another naked lady just like chilling. Right. I so can't really tell what's happening in the background. No, who knows? She's dressed though. Yeah, but is she washing her feet or something? I'm not sure. But here's a question. Why are the two dudes dressed and the ladies naked? It's a trend. <laughs> It's trending on Insta right now. Maybe yeah. she's like, do it for the gram. Um, so what What do you think? Would you hang this in your house? Uh-huh. In your kitchen so that you could have your luncheon? No. No? No. No. I'm a Vegas fan. Um, what would you title this painting? Boys in the Woods. <laughs> okay, and so... Um, on a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being great, and you would hang it in your house, 1 being not really your jam, where are you putting um, Manet's most famous piece? 3. Oh, wow. You know how I remembered this in art history? Because in art history, you'd have to, for the test, you'd have to remember the title, who painted it, and the year. So it's 1863. So I always remembered 1863. <sighs> I, I think that was a fake laugh. Yep, yeah. that's true. But don't you think that's a clever way to remember it? There's a sexy three of them. I just ignored that lady in the background because she I don't know really what she's doing. She's just washing her feet and like... Well, look, there's a little... She's right on the... Oh, she's in the water. Yeah, she's in the water. It's like a pond. Hmm. And then... Mm -hmm. it's... What? I don't know. We that's could get weird. pretty deep here. But um, we're going to just stop right there because I think I've traumatized you enough. Um, are you traumatized by that naked lady? It's fine. Yeah. 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 Um, okay, well, I think that's where we'll end off today. Um, I look forward to having you back again to get your insights into um, other famous pieces from our history. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. See you at dinner. Oh, Charlie. <laughs> 
<laughs> I can't believe it's taking me so long to have him on here. Well, I've actually asked him before and he's never wanted to, but it's his new dream to become a voiceover actor. So I said, well, I have a microphone. Why don't you come on the podcast and we'll talk about our history every now and then. So he's going to come on a bunch of times. Who knows? He might even work on a voice portfolio for us. We will see. Anyway, I'm thrilled that he's here and I hope that you guys love having him too. To see all of the work and to get the links that Kate and I talked about, you can just pop over to my site thejealouscurator.com to see the full post. Thank you so much to Kate for coming and doing this with me. Thanks to both Thrive and Carve Out Time for Art for supporting this episode. And of course, thanks Mr. Charlie for sharing his art history thoughts. And as always, thank you for listening. There will be more art for your ear next weekend. See you then. <laughs>